Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Today on CityCast Houston, did you know that one of the healthiest coral reefs in the world is off the coast of Houston? Today, we are talking with coral researcher Adrian Correa of Rice University and CityCast contributor Scott Solomon, also a biologist at Rice University. It is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Scott, Adrienne, welcome. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. So let's start with just the rock bottom basics. Scott, what is the Flower Garden Banks? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think Adrian is going to be able to say so much more about it than I will. But, uh, you know, the Flower Garden Banks is Houston's own backyard coral reef, right? It's a it's a, uh, a series of coral reefs that are in the Gulf of Mexico, um, accessible from Galveston, uh, that I find uh, very few Houstonians are, are even aware of. I haven't been there yet myself. I'd love to go. Um, but Adrian gets to go there and uh, uh, helps to, um, you know, help us understand kind of what's happening there. So Adrian, like the basics, what is a coral reef? A uh, coral reef is a, a habitat that is made predominantly by stony corals. So when you see a picture of a coral reef and you see you know, these boulders that are colorful and branching, kind of like a little branching tree growing. That is a stony coral, which is an animal uh, that has these sort of uh, beneficial microorganisms that live inside of it and help it grow. And so that partnership between the microorganisms and the coral makes these giant features that you can see from space um, like the Great Barrier Reef, for example, and then a whole mm-hmm. diversity of organisms make their homes inside that reef structure. Wow. So if I wanted to see the flower garden banks, could I do that? Do I have to be a scientist? Do I have to know someone to do that? Oh, no. You either need to have a boat um, and uh-huh. steam out there, or you can take a charter like the, like the fling. Um, it's so you mm-hmm. can get on a boat in Freeport, Texas, for example, and typically you'll steam out there, uh, overnight. So while you're sleeping, um, mm-hmm. you, you ride out to the banks and then when you wake up in the morning, there you are. Uh, but you won't, you would not necessarily know you were there unless you knew what you were looking for. Uh, if you're hooked up to a mooring buoy and you look down, sometimes the water's so clear that you can even see the reef from the surface if the water's calm, but it starts 65 feet down at its closest point to the surface of the water and just goes deeper. So it's a relatively deep reef. It's not like, for example, in Florida or Hawaii, where you can just swim out from shore and see corals. So I hear a lot about coral reefs worldwide being in trouble. Could you talk a little bit about that, Adrienne? What is going on? Um, Well, there are a whole bunch of different things that are happening that contribute to corals dying or getting sick. A big one that you may have heard about in the news is coral bleaching, um, which is driven by 
climate change. So as temperatures warm, you can have just like we can experience a summer heat wave mm-hmm. when temperatures feel are really, really hot uh, and it can cause detrimental impacts to, you know, it can cause um, problems for humans. Also, when there are periods where temperatures get really, really hot in the water, um, that can cause corals to bleach. And that's actually when they lose those beneficial microorganisms that they that they typically keep in their tissues. And so when those those microorganisms are lost from the colony, you see the um, the limestone rock framework that a coral animal lays down as it grows. uh, And that's and that that limestone rock looks white. And that's why we say the coral is bleached. Are those sort of like those microbes? Are those sort of like the equivalent of our gut microbes that they help them? Yeah, in some ways, that's a really good analogy because, in fact, part of you know the benefit that comes from having those microorganisms is a nutritional benefit. So those those microorganisms make sugar; they photosynthesize using using light from the sun, and they actually release a whole bunch of that sugar that they make into the coral animal tissue and the coral animal uses it as as food and that's a big part of the reason that a coral can build these massive structures uh, that that form entire habitats yeah so when those microorganisms get lost from a coral although a coral can eat little you know little other things in the water uh, it loses a big source of its food wow okay yeah it'd be like suddenly if we couldn't eat any more pizza <laughs> No. <laughs> that might be good for me. Yeah. <laughs> Very bad. Yeah. But it would also be if we had those kinds of microbes, it would be like, you know, you could have lunch by sunbathing. That'd be pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. That would be a time saver. <laughs> <laughs> but I like my pizza. Okay. So Adrian, this is your research, right? That you're looking at these microorganisms? Yes. Yeah. I'm very, there are actually a whole bunch of different kinds of microorganisms that live on and in corals that do different things, affect their health in different ways. And so the way that these microorganisms interact with the coral animal um, and -hmm. potentially with each other, to me, is just fascinating and complicated. And and I want to understand it because I want to know how how we can help support reefs um, despite some of the challenges they face. Yeah. So how are the flower garden banks doing? Well, overall, the flower garden banks are totally like an Astros level world champion, world series champion <laughs> of reefs in the United States. So they go flower. They garden. are. Uh-huh. It's like, it's so sad. They deserve a parade and they deserve all these other things. <laughs> Sorry, Astros, you need to share your, your cup. Um, but like they talk about unsung heroes of the United States reefs. This reef is insane out there. So overall, to not, I, I always. This was not what I was expecting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. in terms of both the Caribbean and, and Gulf of Mexico, and in terms of United States reefs, the flower garden banks mm-hmm. are are like a totally amazing crown jewel. They are doing really well compared to other reefs. So they have about, you know, some over fifty percent live coral cover. Sometimes up to sixty percent live coral cover, and compared to the rest of the Caribbean. You know, the average is about 10% live coral cover at this point. And sometimes it's down to three or 5%, like in parts of Florida. So yeah, so so the banks are 
amazing and we really should be trying to protect them. Part of the explanation is is kind of where they're located. So as a reef that's mm-hmm. further offshore and that starts deeper in the water, they get less runoff from shore and less kind of like common human use type impacts. And then they also have um, typically experienced temperatures that are a bit lower than a truly shallow water reef. And so that's oh. probably helped protect them so far as you know, climate change warms the ocean. But, you know, in terms of thinking about how the Flower Garden Banks is doing over the next decades, um, they are they are in a precarious position moving forward because temperatures are continuing to rise. And it's predicted that by 2050, for example, based on a recent climate modeling paper, actually, that we did at Rice, it could be that the Flower Garden Banks reefs are reaching this bleaching threshold temperature maybe even on a a yearly basis by 2050. Now is our time to do something about climate change to help protect that reef. Yeah. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So you are very much for anything that will slow the heating. I think right now, you know, we need to try to do everything we can uh, immediately. Yes, it's, it's going to take multiple efforts from multiple directions. Is there anything that your research is showing that we can do to maybe make the corals a little healthier? So there are a couple things that my group is working on to try to see what we can do. One of the ideas for how we can support reefs in dealing with higher temperatures is that we could kind of like design super reefs, right? So we could try to look at the genetic variation across a population of corals and across a population Mm -hmm. of the microorganisms that live inside of them and pick out the genotypes, the genetic kinds of corals that are the most resistant to high temperatures and see if we can put them together to make like the most thermally tolerant coral and then try to grow (laughs) a lot of that and maybe outplant it onto a reef in sort of like a restoration type measure. So the piece of that that my group is tackling is how do we make the microorganisms that live inside of corals have sex? So we want them to have <laughs> we want them to have a lot of sex so that they can generate a lot of genetic diversity. Yeah. And then some of that diversity uh-huh. could end up being um could end up being thermally tolerant, so high temperature tolerant. And so basically we can help yeah. fuel the creative fire that will that will make these temperature tolerant microorganisms. And if we can figure out how to do that then we can we can use it to help like build a more thermally tolerant coral. 
So how do you put a microorganism in the mood? You get it in the middle of the night. And uh, <laughs> that's what we know so far. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> but, and, it, and, it, and it might be, it uh -huh. might also yeah. be that you, uh, one hypothesis that we have is that uh, you might also want to stress it out a little bit. So not, um, <laughs> this is, this is completely a hypothesis, but sometimes in organisms that have sex sometimes and then just like divide in half and reproduce asexually, you know, without sex other times, sometimes the thing that yeah. triggers an organism to start choosing sexual reproduction is it experiencing some stress. So I don't know if that's going to be the case for these coral microorganisms, mm -hmm. but one of the places that we're trying to look is comparing a more variable um, environment with more poor conditions compared to the rate of sexual reproduction in an environment that's more stable and potentially less stressful. So we want to see like, okay, does, you know, is, is this more marginal environment, mm -hmm. this more stressful environment, does more sex happen there? All right. Well, thank you both. This has been great. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me. That was Adrian Correa and Scott Solomon, both biologists at Rice University. Now, I am here with producer A.K. Al Molman. A.K., what else is going on around Houston today? Hey, Lisa. Houston is changing fast, and a major indicator of that change is that Houston is becoming a majority renter city, with almost 60% of residents renting versus buying homes. This is reflective of a larger trend in Harris County moving towards a majority renter residency. Rent Cafe researchers looked at data spanning 10 years and saw that in Houston, four out of every 10 urban zip codes are renter dominated, and that six zip codes have turned completely renter centric with only Philadelphia having such a drastic swing as the one in Houston. This can be attributed to millennials seeking dense, amenity-rich areas and baby boomers looking to downsize their living arrangements. This trend over the last 10 years is already shaping development in Houston, with new projects popping up seemingly every day with the promise of walkable neighborhoods and fully stacked amenities, especially in downtown. It is looking like Houston is going to keep on changing, and this is a rare chance to be as thoughtful as possible about what our city should look like in the next decade. That's it for our show today. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, hey, look for us there. Let's hang out. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk with you then. You know that your um, that your ecosystem is in a bad way when Pokemon cards come out as a healthy coral and a bleached coral, which they do have.